Hey, everybody in the backyard. Ooh. Hey, we love you. We have cake in here. We'll share it. Um, promise. Hey there, this is Catherine Lasota, host of LIC Reading Series, a monthly event that I founded in April 2015 at LIC Bar in Long Island City, Queens. Next month is the five-year anniversary of LIC Reading Series, and we won't be having a regular live event scheduled at that time because of the COVID-19 crisis, but we will celebrate that in due time. In the meantime, I want to bring you some of my favorite events from the past from our previous anniversary celebrations. And on this episode of the podcast, you're going to hear the panel discussion from our two-year anniversary on April 11, 2017, which featured Chloe Caldwell, Eileen Miles, and Alyssa Chappelle. This was a really fantastic conversation. And if you want to hear the readings from this event, you can just listen to the previous episode of the podcast. Now, as always with LIC Reading Series, we have the magic silver box at our panel discussion. So uh, I do ask audience members to put questions in that box during our intermission. And if I ask a question out of that box during the panel discussion, that audience member gets a prize. So without further ado, let me bring you to our two-year anniversary panel discussion from April 11, 2017, featuring the amazing Chloe Caldwell. Eileen Miles and Alyssa Chappelle. I think I, I actually I'm going to start off with I'm going to I'm going to ask a few questions and basically I think it's evident from our readings here that um, I could just shut the hell up and just let them talk about whatever they want to talk about and be great. So I might just do that, but um, I'll ask some questions and then and then we'll go to the magic silver box after a little bit. Um, but I might start off something a little heavy because I was really taken with something that Eileen read. Um, this one line here of, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, it's so heavy, but everything pours out from this one moment, a hole in my life, fast and shifting like Jupiter's eye. Um, this is the narrator, Eileen, uh, sharing this. And I wonder if there, if there's a moment that each of you feel is like a, a gravitational pull that you go back to repeatedly, maybe there's more than one in your writing and anyone can take that. That's for all of you guys. Well, I recently heard Michelle T on the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, and she was saying, and the podcaster was interviewing her and saying, how many times are you going to write about drunk Michelle, like the phase of like drunk Michelle in San Francisco and these relationships? And Michelle was like, well, sometimes you have like a three month relationship and you get like six books out of it. <laughs> so I was like, that was really well said. And I think she's absolutely right. And um I, I think that we do sometimes, I don't know if it's like a fucked up writer thing that you have to keep processing things more than once, but mm -hmm. I loved hearing her say that. And it's true. She wrote Valencia, which was an awesome novel. And then now she's out with Black Wave, which is similar to Valencia, but in mm -hmm. the third person. So mm -hmm. um, I, I really related to that. So yeah, I do. I mean, it sucks to say that you write from a lot of, that you write from um, painful times. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, you do go back to them, and and sometimes it's you're able to make them, you know, you find something illuminating in them, and you and you're able to make them funny. I mean, and the reason I'm saying that I relate to Michelle is because yeah, I am doing like a a follow up to women. So and part of me is like, why do I have to keep writing about this? But mm -hmm. uh, you keep finding the more you the more you write, the more you you have to figure out. Does your relationship to writing about it previously? 
change? Do you look back at that work and say, oh, I don't quite connect to how I wrote about it before? Or does it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I connect to it. I like to do things from memory and not look back on emails and whatnot. And so you can have two different, if I had looked back on my emails and different things like that, then the book mm -hmm. would have been completely different. So I'm thinking maybe my next book, I will look back at that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just like you, I think it's Stephen Elliott says you, you write a book about someone and then you write about your relationship with your book. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, well, listening to Eileen, uh, yeah, I just don't like it in my face. Um, I, uh, writing about that experience about her father dying, I thought, oh, well, I'm very much stuck there. Um, and I was just telling her before we mm -hmm. uh, sat down about trying to um, actually make it to see my father before he died and did not make it. But in the car, as we were driving there, I was writing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like me writing could keep him alive. You know, like mm -hmm. how if you don't fall asleep on the plane, you keep the, the plane in the air. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I didn't, oh, you didn't know that? I didn't that know works. that trick. That yeah. works. Yeah, that works. Uh, so I kept thinking, and as I'm writing it, I'm thinking... Uh, you know, I'm writing like, oh, we're looking at the bridge and my father is not dead in this world. And you know what? I need to, um, everything is going to be fine. I need to stop. I need to put on lipstick. I need to look pretty for my father writing this. And we did stop and I did put on lipstick for my father. And when I got to the hospital, he had already died. Um, but at that moment, I mean, I really think about that as being uh, a moment where I was watching myself uh, in that moment. And I feel like in some ways I was already writing that moment as it as it happened, even though certainly it's one of the, it was cataclysmic for me. And I think we write about the same stuff all the time. I mean, if we're really writing about the shit, we should be writing about, you know, this the most our material, the most me material, then it's the stuff that, um, that goes down to the bone like that. That is like the notch in your femur. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody's got their shit. And if you're not writing about it, you know, you're, you're an idiot, um, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> oh. Tough love from Melissa Chappelle. Well, you know what? I, yeah, it is. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, don't, I'm, I get bored otherwise. And I feel, you know, I did when I was writing my first, uh, I got a two book deal. The second book had to be a novel. And I thought, well, I'm certainly not going to write about anyone like me in this second book. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to write a big Tom Wolfe style, uh, you know, novel of um, uh, an issues novel, whatever is bullshit. Uh, but it sucked. And for two and a half years, I did that. And then I took it to my agent and said, Oh, look, and she said, uh, this is great. Nothing you do here is on uh, is in evidence. And it was because I was trying to write a different kind of book. I didn't want to write the same kind of book. I didn't want to write a book that I had any of my shit in it. And it ended up being a piece of crap. Mm. Um, so I think sometimes you you've got your stuff lean into it. I said that out loud. I said all that out loud, right? Yeah. Hello. Okay. All right. There you go. At least I didn't make eye contact with you, and that's what's really important. Mm. Eileen? Um, yeah, I guess it's because we're alive, you know? And so I feel like these things, oh, it, you know, every, these things, and, and we write with it, right? And so we have these things that happen. They're like, I mean, there was that, that word that was really fashionable for a while, but like singularity, something's a singularity. And I feel like my father's death was a singularity. It was like, it was sort of the of one of the events that I organized my shit around. 
you know? And the thing is, because you're alive, you keep organizing and reorganizing, you know? It's sort of like, it's not here now, it's over there, you know? And so it becomes a different story, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, 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 you know, I think it's a tribute to the fact that we're, you know, that we're, that we're alive, that, that we return to these um, events to because of the landscape changes. Yeah. yeah, that idea of uh, that we're alive, and uh, another section that you read, Eileen, talking about like the the best place to be is at the bedside of your dying friend, right? Mm -hmm. um, because because it's like going to the mountain. If you've been around somebody who's died or dying, it's sort of like there's no other place. I mean, it's what sublime means, right? When you, I mean, you're always like, what does sublime mean? Until you're someplace. I saw lava falling into the ocean once, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it just meant there was absolutely nothing yeah. else I would look at. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's sublime. It was just like, that's the thing, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's, 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 it's like that. You're in an altered space and time. And that's what I, we always, everybody does drugs for that purpose. You're like, I want to like change this, mm -hmm. you know, but there are things that happen that actually do change this. Mm -hmm. um. Yeah. I think, I think I actually read something in an interview, Eileen, that you said uh, after getting sober that you went to art to get high. Is that mm -hmm, kind of yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, or lava falling in an ocean, maybe? Or yeah, or lava right? falling in an ocean. Sure. Yes. You guys did so well with that really heavy hitting first question that I'm just going to follow up with another heavy hitting one. So, if you were said, "Hey, you've got three months to slowly fade away." <laughs> Okay, wait, You're I gonna have my turn bag. around and start I've and kill us. I got like, this pick list. up a gun. I was like, ah! Was like, Clown um, college, you know. top of the list. God, what the fuck would you do? Clown a lot college. of drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, a lot. And do I mean? Wait, go, is that the rest of the? That's the it. Whole question? <laughs> That's the whole question. I'm serious. That. Like, I, I think about oh, these no. things. Right. We all do. That's why we're medicated to the fucking gills. <laughs> <laughs> Because we because we're thinking about yes. death, yes. Well, some of us maybe. Mm. <laughs> I would I would try hard to decide where I was going to be. Like I would decide. Like I would probably be in New York or Marfa, mm -hmm. and I would have to decide three months this month here th and and not change my mind because the thing is I would spend the three months changing my mind about where I wanted to be. And it would be horrible. So I think I would try and make firm decisions. Yeah, I would try to see Marfa before I died. <laughs> Maybe you could go to Eileen's place. Go to place. Paris yeah. and just take a bath and, I don't know, do a bunch of drugs and yeah. do some writing, do some reading, watch some movies. <laughs> I think a bath is a really good idea. <laughs> I've just discovered baths. I think they're amazing. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pause. You just discovered baths? Well, then those childhood and with baths were okay. And then there was just like a whole, most of my life where I was like, who the fuck could take a bath? I'm like nervous like so a cat. once you start, you can't, you can't stop. Once you start, I just yeah. like, yeah, about a week ago, like a I was like, oh. It's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. I, there was a period in my life where I would be at a party and I would feel anxious and I would go and I would take a bath. At the party. At the party. Amazing. Yeah. Where's Alyssa? She's better. in the tub. Yeah. So hot. Was there more than one bathroom at the party? I don't know. <laughs> there must have been. There must have been because it got to be kind of a thing I did. What kind of parties do you go to? <laughs> That's right. Was, but I don't know. There was rubber sheets everywhere. Everybody's taking a bath. No. Um, <laughs> People were I, peeing uh, in the sink. No. Yeah. It was. A, it was. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I would just be like, you know what? I'm really 
kind of getting, mm, I'm not happy. Might yeah. go take a bath. So great. Can I just take my huh. drink and go toddle off and take a bath? <laughs> it helps. It's really opposite ends of the spectrum with our relationships to baths over time oh, here. Yeah, no, no, yeah. absolutely. I, I lived in an apartment once for three years that had just a tiny shower stall. I was like, never again. How big was the sink? <laughs> no, no, oh. it was tiny because it was it was only this big, like six inches wide, so you could fit in the closet of a bathroom. It's New York. That's anyway. disgraceful. It is, but it was so fucking cheap. All right, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm gonna move on. Um, there's a qu- there's a quote from Alyssa. Uh, this is an interview that you did, Alyssa, that I liked a lot. It says, as a writer, I feel it's my job to say the thing everyone knows is true, but no one wants to say, either because they can't articulate it or it's dangerous or it's simply not done. Um, do you all feel that way? Is there something you think that is particularly avoided in our culture or something that you're drawn to write about because it's avoided and you feel it's your job as a writer to talk about it? Hmm. I said it. Don't look at me. <laughs> All right. But, huh. Alyssa's done her job. That's right. I mean, I think anything's shameful. Like anything, even, I mean, even after I wrote Women and it came out, I had a friend who said, you know, that it can even be shameful to be upset about a breakup, you know, to be obsessive about someone who didn't feel the same way, et mm-hmm. cetera, et cetera. I mean, the smallest things people feel shame around. So they, it doesn't have to be, I don't think these like epic these epic things. I just think bringing light to anything that people feel, you know, is taboo or, or shameful is it's fun to write about. It's embarrassing, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's fun. And what happens is, you know, people do end up connecting to it. And I, I can't remember who told me this, but some writer, uh, some writing teacher I had said, you know, just take it like, you know, you want to take it to here and then take it a little bit further. Like the stuff you want to take out, just put it in and that's what people are going to respond to. So. Right. Well, it's when you, when you start to think, I shouldn't say that, you have to say that. Yeah. But I think as writers in some way, we're totally um, made to lie. Like the things that I am ashamed of are not the things that other people would be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, they're much more personal. Like I can talk to you about, I mean, there are all sorts of things that I write, uh, right? That other people will be like, oh my God, that was such a risk. And I'm like, no, no. Mm-hmm. The risk is saying that, um, you know, I would say, you know, my husband was the love of my life. Like that's something you shouldn't say, right? And here I said it in front of all of you. <laughs> but I mean, that, that Wait, sort of thing is why, the thing that you why? don't write. I know, you're shocked. What I'm saying is that I think it's easy for writers to come across as being really bold or um, like we're, we're being so confessional. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's something that we've already practiced a million times. Mm-hmm. So it isn't, in fact, like you're taking a big risk. Mm-hmm. I think the things that are truly risky are the smaller moments. And mm-hmm. I think those are really the moments when I say like I, I want, you know, I have students who are here. Like I want you to lean into that moment. I want you to lean into the thing that's ugly for you. Not the thing that is that the culture would find so shocking. Mm. Right, right, right. Yeah, I felt, I mean, writing about food for me was like that. Like in Cool For You, I talk about being food obsessed and, and like when I was 19 or 21. I feel like it's so not me. You know, I discovered drugs and I never really had that issue. I mean, it's not true. I mean, I have a whole weird relationship to food, but it's so like when I discovered drugs, I didn't have the same relationship to food that I had when I was like in high school or college. You know, I felt like I had a very typical female relationship to food and that embarrassed me. I didn't want right. to be that person. Right. So it was exactly. a real taboo to write about 
gaining a lot of weight as a camp counselor right. in response to discovering I was a lesbian. Right. You know, it was sort of like, and but it, you know, I think the thing, I think that the, the, the thing with writing is that um, the goal is to keep going, you know, like it's sort of like you're writing, you want to cover paper, you want to keep writing. And so I don't ever go in into it usually thinking, oh, I'm going to write this thing. It's just like I'm writing along and then suddenly something comes to me and I was like, whoa. And I just know that if I write about that, I won't be able to stop writing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want right. is the thing that turned that the kind of, and I think part of it is the kind of greedy joy yeah. in exposing yourself wildly, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. But it would be the getting fat. It wouldn't be the, oh, I smoked crack. It would be like, the, right. Oh, and I had sex right. with an incredible number of people. Right. And I'm like so right. bad. No, right. no. It's like, yeah. Food. Food. No. <laughs> yeah. No, it's weird. Like sometimes I can write about drugs and stuff and I'm, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, taboo at all. But then there's like a part in women about stealing a salad from Whole Foods. <laughs> and I, I like hate reading it out loud because I just feel like it's so embarrassing. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's uh. all, you know. Oh, well, mm. when I, when I lived in Boulder, we had no money and I shoplifted cheese from the, uh, the co-op. Like I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah. um, you shoplift from a co-op huh? in Boulder, Colorado, right. the crystal market. I am marked right here. Hmm. And you ate that cheese in the tub. And I ate that cheese in the tub, baby. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Shaking my fist in the mirror. Don't bore me, bitches. Right. Oh, oh. Shit. <laughs> I love cheese. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and what? Baths. I like yeah, both. I usually don't do it together, though. You have to shower. Bad. If you're going to eat food in the bathtub, you need to do it in the shower, not in the bath. <laughs> How do you not get the food wet? In the shower. It doesn't matter if the food gets wet. There isn't, you don't have to sit with it. <laughs> okay. So. <clears throat> Just saying. <laughs> Chloe. You, uh, in, in an interview I, I read of yours, you says, it gets to be a bummer sitting at your desk for hours a day, especially in winter. <laughs> Thank God for the nice weather, by the way. Writing and reliving anxiety and depression, trying to make it entertaining. And I was struck with that because I wonder, well, two-part two question, take whatever you want from it, but I, I wonder about the you know process of revision of, the idea that when you write about something, you kind of live with it over and over and over again, right? But also this idea of uh, needing to make writing entertaining. Is that a job? Of, <laughs> is that your job to make it entertaining? Sort of, yeah. It, it, it became my job, I felt like, a couple years ago. I sold this book, I'll Tell You in Person, and I, it was not done when I sold it, and I had to take a couple years to keep writing about it, and I... It had been my agent's idea to do an essay collection and not exactly and not mine, really. I wasn't ready. I could have used a few more years. So I felt like, yeah, I was on a deadline and it was my job to turn out these essays. And I was sitting there trying to kind of make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was totally broke and it was winter and, you know, seasonal affective disorder is real. And I was just sitting there, yeah, just poor, just, you know, writing these essays. And by the end of the day, I was just like so sick of myself and so exhausted by the whole thing um, and just wondering why I was doing it at all. And then, of course, it's out, you know, then it's out and it's a book and it has like this cheerful cover and I like forget about all of that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it felt like I had gotten this, you know, tiny chunk of money to get me. But at the time, it's like when you have no money, a little bit of money is a lot. 
I have no money. I have, let's say I had $200 and then you get, you're offered like a $3,500 book advance. You're like, yeah, I need that. Like I literally need that money. So you get the money and then you have to write, you know, and for me, I have to excavate my life to write because that was what I sold was an essay collection. Um, not to be a total downer, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was the reality of that time. Yeah. What's the question? <laughs> yeah, no, that was, uh, I mean, it was all very good to hear. Um, but it, it leads to a question for all of you, which is, so if you have material that maybe is not fun material to be visiting, but you're writing about it and it gets hard to write about it, how do you keep pushing through? How, how do you continue writing about something when it becomes so difficult to write about it? What's your trick? What's, what's your rabbit in the hat? Because, you know, it's that easy. I don't do it. I just go do something else. I mean, usually some other kind of writing. I think one of the things about writing novels and poems and other things is that there are all ways to procrastinate and avoid the thing that you have to write. And so it always seems like the good is to write. And so like, there's always like spin-off writing from any kind of thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Like I, I, was, I had a month in Texas to work on something that was like a screenplay. I thought this is such a great, of course I want to, you know. So I didn't want to write it. I just didn't want to do it. I was like so much something I would want to do that I had no desire to do it. And so people would email me and ask me for things, you know, like I was wondering if you'd write something for 1,500 words and stuff. And I had already decided I didn't have to do those things and I wasn't going to do those things and I didn't need the money to do those things. They became my dirty, greedy thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fucking turn out a 1,500 word thing, like, you know, just like in 40 minutes to prove that I could do it. You know, I got into competitive writing gigs as a perversion. It was sort of like, you know, could you have an orgasm in a phone booth and a, you know, in a train, in the middle of a train stand. I mean, it was just kind of like made up, but I was, it was, but it was all, you know, so it's always writing for me and I use writing to avoid writing, you know? So, cause I really don't, if I don't want to write it, I won't write it, you yeah. know? And there's another point where I would, I think I discovered in college that there was like, if you don't think about it, there's a point at which you will be thinking about it, and that's the moment to write it. But if I find that I'm supposed to be writing and I can't write it, there's just no way to, I will not, I don't even believe in writer's block. I just walk away and do something else. So what if you've committed to a deadline and it's there and you don't feel like writing about it? I think you wait to the absolute last moment. <laughs> yeah. And that, that you will be proven to be insane and a failure and a complete loser and the worst person in the world. And so I wait and wait and wait and wait until I get so crazy and so anxious that even I would write it, you know? And then it, you just spurt it out. It works. Does, it, that, does that resonate with you, Alyssa? Um, yes, I, I, um, I saw a deadline writer in your face when yeah. you were nodding. Yeah. Um, I oftentimes, I work on more than one thing at once. Like when I was telling you about that terrible book, I had been writing stories at the same time, which ended up being the second book. But when I get stuck, it's generally, it's not the material that's so difficult. It's oftentimes the form or I look at it, I go back and I look at it and I'm not having a problem writing it. It's just crap. You know, I go back and I'm like, oh my God, you know, who made this mess? Um, so it's not that the material will be difficult. It will be my execution of it. So when something, when it's going badly, I'm, I'm working on something else at the same time. Um, that makes me feel a bit more sane. And yeah, deadlines are great. Terror is great. Hunger mm-hmm. is great. Like the threat that they're going to turn off your lights. Great. 
Um, I also, though, feel different levels of commitment to different kinds of writing. You know, I mean, that's terrible to say, perhaps, but I am very, take a very long time and spend, and very um, self-conscious about the fiction. Like, I will be much more, I will hold on to that for much longer, and I will worry about that much more than I will an essay mm -hmm. or an article, something like that. Those I can, those I can do, but the other stuff has to be perfect. You know, I say it's like, um, showing people naked pictures of yourself bent over cleaning the tub <laughs> again with the tub. Uh, but that, that I will, that I'll hold on to for a long time. The rest of it, I do like though the, you know, I do sometimes need the boot on my throat though to be, to, to get it done. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I, I the, what I wonder about though is I have that same thing that like the, the fiction or the book that I'm working yeah. on is the important, beautiful thing. And I'll just kick out journalism like a clown, yeah. you know, and stuff. But <laughs> is it actually better or different? I don't know. I think it's I don't different. Think, well, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, for me, I'm not sure it My is My relationship really. with it is different. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it's like that yeah. is the redheaded stepchild and this is my, you know. Right, right. But somehow I feel like in a way that I, I still have to make weird tricks to make myself write fiction. And 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 then I'm just writing fast like a monkey, and 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 it's just like it's no different from journalism. I just think that this is the great creation, and this is the, you know, the thing that's you know, so I so I can get some money, <laughs> you know, or oh, that. whatever, yeah, money. or perform in this particular <laughs> journal or yeah outlet or something like they want me. Okay, yeah. I'll do it. Well, the money is so good too in comparison. If it is, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the, the hopelessness <laughs> of writing a novel was like it took me like ten years. Oh no, cool for you. I wrote fat five years. Usually it takes me like five, ten years to write a novel. You know, mm -hmm. and I was like, so what is that hourly rate? Don't, so don't shitty. Go there, don't go there. Don't. We're paying. We're paying them actually. Yeah. 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 How long did it take? You <coughs> right, Chelsea girls. Uh, Fourteen years. But not, but again, not, you know, not, you know, I would write a story. I mean, it's really la laid back. I would write a story and then a year would pass, you know, it was like that, you know? And then I would, I think maybe the final, I was at McDowell and I was like, I pumped out three or four in a month and that was amazing. So it was just kind of fortunate because I didn't really believe, I, th I mean, I kind of imagined there was a book that I was writing and I wanted there to be a book and I wanted to prove that I could write prose and not just be a poet, you know? And I knew I could write reviews but um, but I didn't have the gut faith. I hadn't done it before, so it was sort of like I could just spit out a little thing and then run away and. Be well, a maybe poet. you also had to be smarter or older to write it. I mean, is it possible you needed more life? Yeah, no, no, I think so. Yeah, yeah. more more distance from some of the yeah. things. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I think there is a thing about covering pages. Like until you've covered two or three hundred pages, yeah. you don't know that you could cover two or three hundred pages. Yeah. You know, because the next one was faster, and then they became slow again. Right. Well, it's hard to believe it was ever. When it's bad, it's like marriage. It's like when it's bad, you can never believe that it was good, and when it's good, you never remember it being bad. You're like, this is great. This is, you know. No. <laughs> never having me back. Never having huh. me back ever again. No. You're yeah. awesome. I don't you. Stop. I, I like this idea of, of like writing something to prove that you can, like a challenge to yourself. That's, that's good. Um, uh, Chelsea Girl's taking 14 years. That's uh, worth it, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I think. Totally worth it. Uh, I know, Chloe, you mentioned. <laughs> Chloe listed some of the books I think that you were reading as you were working on your, on your essay collection. I think Chelsea Girl's was one of them. Um, and in fact, in an interesting crossover, I encourage you, speaking of money, buy these books. They're amazing. Support an independent bookstore in Queens. Also, yeah. 
Um, fun fact, there is an essay in uh, Chloe's I'll Tell You in Person that is about somebody who Chloe describes as somewhere in fame between Eileen Miles and Beyonce. <laughs> both vague and specific enough that people can figure it out and also have no idea. Yeah. All right. You guys have done amazingly. Um, but we have the magic silver box. I was going to say, what about the, well, the magic box? silver box is here. And I forgot to mention to the audience that one thing that you had to keep in mind, but you did a great job. I noticed anyway, is that you have no idea who's going to get your question. So it had to be like broad enough or specific or whatever. For anybody. And so I'm going to give one question to one of you. And the, the way we're going to decide who gets the first question is I'm thinking of a letter in the alphabet. Okay. And I'm going to ask you down the line to give me a letter, and whoever is closest will get the question. Elisa. P. Z. D. Okay, the correct letter was B. And you have no idea if I'm lying or not, but I swear. <laughs> All right. That means the question goes to Eileen. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. And whoever asks this question, you will identify yourself and you will get a, a $10 gift certificate to Sweet Leaf Coffee. Excellent coffee, guys. Two locations in Long Island City, one in Greenpoint, one in Williamsburg. Who doesn't like coffee? If you don't like coffee, get the fuck out of here. All right. Eileen. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Who asked this question? Are you here? Yes. You're getting coffee. That's a good one. I don't know. I mean, it's a, I feel like it's just a short answer. It'll, it'll be okay. You know? <laughs> Learn a trade. Right? I was just like, it was like, who knew? I mean, it was just like, ah. Right? And, and yeah. So I, I guess I would, so I would just sort of reassure her that it'll work out you'll be okay yeah and and that you're right you're absolutely right you know because i did think it was okay to be poor and then i think i did think it would work out but it was just like but you know a lot of the time you didn't think it would work out well so. i heard you on a podcast and i forget what it i forget which one but they were like, did you think you were going to be famous? And you said, no, no, not at all. And you said, but I never had a plan B. Like you were like, I just, <laughs> I put all of my eggs in one basket, right. which yeah. is in a sense, like, yeah, acting like you'll be successful because you have nothing to fall back on. Right, right. But do you think you would choose this life if there was another life um, where you would be as successful or more successful? I don't know. I think most writers and artists do what they do because it's their sickness. It's what we do. It's yeah. like you do the thing. Like, this, believe me, if I could be an orthodontist, I would be an orthodontist. Right. But this it's is that the life. thing. No. It's the thing. I know. I wanted to be an astronaut. I feel like this is that in some perverse yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think. You are real. You are realizing it in some yes. very strange other universe yeah. way. This, this is that other universe. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you wanted to be both an astronaut and a writer, which are you know, really easy things. Did you did you want to be an astronaut? Because I, I wanted not. to be an astronaut no. and a cat. And a cat? You wanted to be a cat. You when got I was little, but then later, uh, because I knew astronauts didn't have to be really tall. And I thought, and stewardesses do, duh. Uh, but no, I thought being an astronaut would be um, amazing. And my, my grandfather was a crazy inventor and my dad was a chemist. I'm like, this is like the sciences, you know, I'm going to be an astronaut. And a I like the dark. What? Huh. 
And a performer. And a performer, like right. astronauts. Yeah. The, have you seen the cat movie? Do you know about Keddy? There's the Turkish, it's a documentary no. about cats in Istanbul. No. It's at Sunshine right now. It's amazing. Really? It's really great. It's wow. really great. You follow the cat. They really? love cats in Istanbul. Wow. Keddy, K-E-D-I. All right, I'm going to have it's to see gorgeous. it. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You never know what you're going to learn about here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, the next question is going to go to either Elisa or Chloe. And I am thinking of a color. Whoa, and, we're uh, so deep in your stuff here. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's fun for me. Um, Chloe, you, you, you choose a color first. Okay, turquoise. Mm. I was thinking that same thing. Were you also thinking violet? Just turquoise. Okay, no, violet. I thought violet, and I thought, I guess a person could say turquoise, like the person next to me. Uh, violet. Okay, so we have turquoise and violet. I'm going to have to ask the audience to, to, to tell me which one is closer to gold. Right? <laughs> I love that oh my God, She's like, she's like really the mineral like, whisperer. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was I was I was going with turquoise just because it's it's That's like really gold has a light to yeah. it and turquoise is lighter in hue than violet which by the way I actually purple is my favorite color so there's something between us okay yeah I love with that okay but this is going to Chloe and whoever asks this question please identify yourself you're going to get a gift certificate for an in-store purchase at the amazing Astoria Bookshop in oh, Astoria man. Queens all right okay Chloe. Does writing energize you or exhaust you? Who asked this question? Are you here? No, 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 no. You can't double dip in the box. I wanted to put them both together, but I was like, it'll be too long. Why can't it be all about this person? That's right, that's right. We want to realize your dreams tonight. That's right. Whatever you want to know. We have to move on, I'm sorry. We have to move on to another question. It's a good question. Good it's a good question. Answer it privately. You answer yeah, it fast. Answer, answer it privately. Okay. Answer really fast. It depends if I'm getting paid or not. When I'm not getting paid, I'm having a lot of fun. When it's a deadline, I'm getting paid. It's exhausting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you won with an answer, basically. Okay. Who asked this? Chloe. They didn't say Chloe, but how does the performance of reading influence your writing? Is somebody here who asked this question? Yes, you get a gift certificate to the bookshop. Chloe, does the performance of reading your work influence your writing? Do you read your work as you're writing it out loud? Um, I think we were on the same subway earlier today, right? <laughs> yeah, we both took the... Oh, it's your stalker. Your stalker got... <laughs> were, were your lips moving? Were you like... Oh, we were on the E-train, right? Yeah. Yeah, huh. all three of us were on the E-train. Um, Wait, what was, oh, reading. Oh, I don't really read works in progress that often because it, it freaks me out. Um, it's just such a risk. <laughs> I like to read stuff after it's been edited and after I know what my editors think is funny, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah. So from this book, I'll tell you in person, my most recent book, I played it pretty safe and I would only read the humorous essay about the person who was between Eileen Miles and Beyonce um, about this celebrity because I knew how it went over in the crowd. So um, it is really nice to see what parts are funny. And I do think um, at first when I start when I was reading my work, I was really nervous and I would read incredibly fast because I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> And someone told me, like, when you read fast like that, you can tell that you don't like being up there. So over the past few years, I started doing readings like 2011, 2012. And um, 
now I'm getting more comfortable with just kind of owning the work. I think it's really helpful. I tell my students all the time to read their work out loud because you can catch grammatical errors and you can see. I used to um, read my essays like and record them onto my phone and then walk around and listen on headphones. Um, and while I was walking, I would get ideas for new sentences and stuff like that. And by the time I got back to my apartment, I would have, I would know how I wanted to revise my work. Um, but I, yeah, I'm not that adventurous with reading new work out loud. Sorry. I know that's like a bunch of different answers, mm. but yeah. <laughs> that's great. I'm picturing you walking around listening to the Chloe podcast. That's cool. <laughs> I don't do it so much anymore, but it was really helpful <coughs> yeah. for a while. Yeah. All right. We're going to do two more questions. We're going to do one for Alisa. And whoever asked this question is uh, going to get a gift certificate to the Gantry Bar and Kitchen, which is just like, I don't know, three blocks that way. Same owner as LIC Bar. I think they serve food till 11. So if you're super hungry, you can use it tonight. Or you just come back here next month and you just get dinner before you come to the show. It's really good food. Um, and if you, you know, depending on how much you eat, you could even take a friend. This is a good gift certificate. <laughs> All right. Alyssa, all right, who asked this question? <clears throat> what did you do with the first cold hard cash money? I added that. It was just money. Cold hard cash. I'm, I'm sorry. What did you do with the first money you made by writing? Who asked this? Are you here? Are you here? This is like a lucky zone right here. Okay. What did you do with the first money, the first millions that you made by writing? I mean... Okay, I think the first money I would have made writing um, would be I I wanted to, to work in a magazine or a newspaper, and I couldn't do that in New York City. So I went to Boulder, Colorado, and I worked at a newspaper called the Boulder Daily Camera. Hmm. Uh, and at the Boulder Daily Camera, the very first piece I wrote was about um, – I think it was about either rosé wine or aquariums. <laughs> Although Halloween costumes, a really silly Halloween costume piece comes to mind. And I think I probably spent it on rent because I was, as we all know, I was shoplifting my cheese. So um, I'm pretty sure I paid bills with it. I didn't, um, I did take a picture though of my first royalties check and that was a big deal. Hmm. Um, and I did buy, I did, I did buy a piece of jewelry with that because I felt like that was, that was a huge deal for me. Yeah, what was the jewelry? Oh, what was the piece of jewelry? The piece of jewelry is um, it's a piece of morning jewelry. I'm just sounds like such a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> you know about morning jewelry? Victorians made jewelry uh, to honor the people who they had lost, who they were mourning. So it would be like a lock of someone's hair, or it would be made of uh, you know jet. It was what you would wear when you were wearing your widow's weeds or whatever, huh. a little picture of a face, and it's just a really beautiful little um. It's like a little garnet, about that little garnet on a, with little um, pieces of jet on a chain. I mean, it's very plain looking and no one would have any idea what it meant except for me. It's not really flash because I actually wanted to be able to wear it all the time. And so when I felt lousy, I could just be like, okay, uh, all right, look, you made some money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Uh, so, that's, so that's what it would be. That would be the big thing. That's great. Do you still wear it? I, I think I still have it. Yeah, yeah. I should. I should. I, I lost, uh, had a bunch of jewelry stolen last year, but I don't think it was in there. No, I, have you ever had anything stolen? Like you go and you look for it later and you're like, where is that ring? Where is that? And it's like, oh yeah, some dickhead in uh, Baltimore has my ring. 
What? Or I don't know, whoever stole it in Baltimore. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. It was a jewelry box. I was carrying it. Okay. And yeah. No. Um, yeah. So that's the answer. Wow. It's a good question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you, you, you answer buy? it? What did you buy, Chloe? My last book advance. I I actually want to write about this, but my last book advance was small enough and yet big enough that I bought the New Yorker. Like I remember, I was like, I got my book advance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna buy a $8.99 New Yorker, yeah. right? Because yeah, that's it's symbolic. so frivolous. That's it's, it's with tax. I mean, it's almost yeah. ten dollars. So I just remember when you can purchase something and not have anxiety about it. You just feel like you're on. I like to say like you feel like you're on vacation in Hawaii. Like you're like you can just pay for something and not you know feel sick. That's huge. So I got the New Yorker, <laughs> and I probably like got my hair blown out and a pedicure sure. and i like mm -hmm. stayed at the jane hotel for 99 dollars, and uh that was you know that was what i did with my and i got like an american apparel sweatshirt like that was my book advance wow. so it was like big enough that i could get a couple things that i wanted but that's how small it was yeah but to God. me it was very exciting this is a great question <laughs> it really is God. I, I gave a reading at um, St. Mark's in the seventies, and I got twenty five bucks, and I <laughs> and I bought a I bought a uh, foam mattress, <laughs> an economy foam when it used to be on Houston Street. And, oh my god! And yeah. you know, it was just like I just I, I yeah. But then I got, I guess the other thing is I got a I got a grant the first grant I ever got I got a three thousand dollar grant in nineteen eighty for poetry, and I bought an electric guitar. Wow, <laughs> a bass actually a bass a bass. Oh, even and better. I, I, you know, I didn't, I, but I didn't learn. I did it for a little while, and then I just drank my whole grant, you know. Yeah. And I, I pawned it, you know, and then I kept <laughs> drinking and with my girlfriend, and mm -hmm. <laughs> and here I am now, yeah. kids. That's, right. <laughs> That's what I did. I kind of want to ask this question at every month. Now. It's a great, yeah. it's a great, great question. question. Who asked this? Yeah, you should get Mr. like lucky. I might oh. give you, I might give you a drink ticket too. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna do. Uh, this is a this is a pretty intense question, so I'm gonna I'm gonna oh my end God. end with the intensity again because you is guys it, can handle it. Is it the group question? We all answer. This? You're gonna all gonna answer this, okay. and and whoever asks this question, you're gonna get because you did put a question in the box. You will get the remaining giveaway books oh my God, from Eileen. Yeah. Plus, uh, it's one of these. I'll just hold it up. A copy of the reissue of Cool for You, which oh. I'm sure Eileen would be happy to sign. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this person? I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, we'll see how you like the question. <laughs> All right, guys. <clears throat> what was the best night oh of your life? Come on. Jesus. <laughs> Who is this? Somebody here? You have this this woman to blame in the back. Yeah, think about that. I'll get you some books. That's such a hard question, right? I mean, maybe I'm just sure a really I good don't night. Remember it, but <laughs> but I wonder if the way to the answer is the is the night that flew into your head. In fact, did you have to think of something? No, it flew into my head. Yeah, something flew into your head. Mm. Yeah, it may not be the right answer, but no, yeah, yeah. it's not the right answer. But mm. I'm just gonna play it safe and go off something I've already written about. <laughs> The best night of my life was more like not a night. It was a day. And I wrote about it in Women. And it was like taking MDMA and eating egg salad in a bathtub. And then Follow sleeping me, like a people. baby that night. So um, 
That was the best night of my life, sleeping after MDMA and egg salad. I highly recommend it in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) You can only do it there. (laughs) Can't compete. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best best bath of your life? It's really more specific. Um, Best night of my life. God, I hope it's in front of me. But I guess up till now, um, best day, best night. I've had lots and lots of them. (laughs) I think more about, I'm thinking like I can tell you about my the best quality of light. Like I'm thinking mm. about moments that are certainly, I can think about the quality of light. But not um, night light. Light, you know, like it wouldn't necessarily be the whole best day, but <laughs> sitting there in that moment, like the quality of light is mm-hmm. the most astonishing quality of light. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it wouldn't be the best day, but here's one that I'm thinking about that it was pretty good, and not everyone would necessarily think it was good. Uh, at my wedding shower, my mother drank too much. My mother, who never does has a not, not one step out of line, drank too much, uh, and this was hilarious to me. And when I was home, we, I took her home, and she said, "You've never been happy, have you?" My mother. <laughs> And I was just like, I've kind of been trying to tell you this my whole life. I've never actually wow. been happy. Um, and that was a huge deal for me. Even though my mother was in the bag and she doesn't remember it, even though I like fed her Tums that she spit out and was really bratty about, this is so not my mother. The fact that in that moment she could say, you've never really been happy, have you? I was like, oh my God, this is like such a huge moment for me. Hmm. It made me incredibly happy. Wow. No. Wow. <laughs> Ha, ha, that makes so much sense. Doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you said you didn't have one, and that's like just genius. Because I was afraid everybody else had the same one, you know? (laughs) That leaves you, Eileen. You know, this this image flew into my mind. It was just like there was just this night, and, and this is like, I, 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 don't, I don't know that this is the happiest night of my life, but it was just 1979 in May, a, a, a gang of us, like all the females at St. Mark's Church, um, did this like play project. Like we just decided that we should do, it was kind of the heyday of performance art and big spectacles and stuff. And we did this play called Joan of Arc or Spiritual Entertainment. And and it was real, it was like 20 or 30 of us did it. And we just... And, and we, we, we rehearsed for six months for a one-night performance, you know? And the performance was so great. It was so, we tried to do it again. We couldn't get it together. We were all so crazy and so <sighs> drug addicted and drunken and chaotic and nobody had any discipline. But it was, it was so beautiful. Like the first scene was all these women, it was like dark and we all wore powder blue t-shirts and we had sparklers. <laughs> and we walked into the church slowly with Gregorian chant playing. <laughs> It and it just beautiful. it just went from there. It was so mad. We had Ann Waldman's mother read, um, you know, like look at a photo album and somebody's home movie of their childhood was shooting on the wall. And we had um, we just had oh, we we had um, Joan. It was so great. We had like sound effects. We had like the, the joke of the play was that it was it took place in Houston, Texas. You know, like we just at Houston, Houston. <laughs> and so Joan was to pitch the ball and the opening game in the Houston Astrodome, you know. But strangely, like a mach- electronic music played 
and a, and a, a, a machine gun was lowered from the ceiling. And there were, um, and there were sounds like baseball sounds. It was like Wait, both- an actual machine gun. Well, you know, we are talking play. about Joan of Arc. Yeah. It was a play. So it was sort of like, there was sort of sound effects of being in a baseball, you know, in a, in a, in a baseball game. And, and there were only three guys in the play. And the rule of our theater at that time was that all the men in the play had to be killed. You know, <laughs> it was, it was like no man. But I think Anselm Berrigan was in it as a child and he delivered the, the mm-hmm. house in Hegel was the newspaper. Um, and so we let him live, you know, but Joan, the, so the, the machine gun came down and Joan mowed down all the guys, but then somehow she magically was tied to a cactus. And like our, the name of our theater company was the lost Texans. We are all dot, dot, dot lost Texans, you know, and Joan was tied to a cardboard cactus with sparklers coming out of it, you know, and that was her, her burning scene. It was so, and my girlfriend at the time wanted to act. So I, I wow. had to make a play for her to be, <laughs> and we had the best party afterwards and we just danced so hard and it was such total ecstasy. It was like, it was like a perfect night. It was incredible. And everybody felt so good about themselves. Yeah. We had done something so crazy. And there was a, there was a panel. It was a TV show that uh, there was a, to tell the truth. And it was like three people pretended to be Joan of Arc and will the real Joan of Arc please stand up. And part of the show was like people would start to, and then they would get, you know, like everybody would do this weird body language. And it was very I'm funny. I'm the maid of Orlean. Who? Yeah, it was, it was so great. It was so great. So that was, yeah, that was that just my memory. It was terrific. That's like the perfect way to end. Good night. That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and the Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens. Thank you.